coming up. It's been eight years. This this family's still looking for justice, and, and there's a killer out there. For Vault Studios, I'm Will Johnson. And I'm Reed Redmond. You're listening to The Daily Crime. It's been 10 years since an 83-year-old grandmother was murdered in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. Investigators still don't know who's responsible. For us and for the families, the case never goes away. Sometimes people think that we forget about these unsolved cases and and that couldn't be further from the truth. In Tennessee, an arrest in a more than decade-old cold case. Police have charged the husband of a woman found dead in 2011 with first-degree murder. They lost their mother 11 years ago and now it looks like they could be losing their dad. This is not really a happy day. This past spring marked 10 years since the death of an 83-year-old woman from Lancaster, Pennsylvania. Reed, what have you been able to learn about Irma Kaler's life prior to her death in 2012? Well, I spoke to Matt Kleindienst, a reporter at our partner station, Fox 43 in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, and he learned a little bit about Irma Kaler from talking with investigators. Essentially, what they told him is that she was a typical retiree. Irma Kaler, you know, was enjoying her retirement, uh, essentially, in Lancaster. She lived by herself in the apartment that she was in. Uh, When the incident occurred, it came as a shock to uh, uh, not just the family, but the police as well, given the lifestyle that she was living prior to uh, the incident that occurred 10 years ago. So Irma Kaler was a mother of two and a grandmother to 10 grandchildren, her obituary talks about how she enjoyed spending time with children in the neighborhood and with her dog, a little Jack Russell Terrier. She liked watching the Phillies. And, and again, like we heard from Matt, she was just your typical 83-year-old retiree. All right, so take us back to May of 2012. What happened? It's a horrific crime scene. A neighbor went into Irma Kaler's apartment and found her lying on the kitchen floor, stabbed to death. Matt Kleinens told me the attack took place early in the morning and that investigators believe Irma would have been sitting on the couch in her living room when she was attacked and that she stumbled from there over to the kitchen where the neighbor found her. That neighbor then called police and that was the start of an investigation that's now lasted over a decade. You mentioned it was a neighbor who found Irma Kaler's body. Do we know why they went in or how they got in to check on Irma? We don't know exactly why the neighbor went over there, but that is a really good question. I mentioned this was an apartment building, so... You know, did the neighbor hear something that might be useful to investigators at some point? Did that neighbor see something in the building that raised a concern? The second half of your question is an interesting piece of this. The front door to Irma Kaler's apartment was found unlocked, which means one of two things happened. Either she opened the door to her killer and was comfortable enough letting them in that she went back to her couch. Again, that's where investigators think that she was when she was stabbed. Or, of course, she could have left her door unlocked, and that's how the killer got in. Reed, you talked about Irma Kaler being a typical retiree. She was a grandmother. She spent time playing with neighborhood kids, watching the Phillies. I mean, this isn't a picture of a typical murder victim. Do we have any insight into what a motive could be in this case? No. And, Will, in addition to this being an incredibly tragic story, it's incredibly bizarre. Matt Kleindens told me he posed that exact question to investigators And they told him there's nothing in Irma Kaler's life that would have pointed to something like this happening. They said she wasn't doing anything or involved in anything that would lead to violence like this. And there's never been a motive tied to this case, which would mean potentially that Irma Kaler was randomly targeted. But the question is still why. It's never been reported 
that anything was stolen, which is the first explanation that would otherwise come to mind. And maybe investigators do have more information on that that they've decided not to reveal. But again, in the 10 years that this case has been investigated, no motive has ever been revealed. There was an update from investigators on this case in 2016. Talk to us about that. Yeah, so one of the big questions in this case has always been what evidence investigators are working with behind the scenes. This was a brutal attack, so was the attacker's DNA left at the scene? Were there fingerprints or footprints around the building, anything like that? And that aspect of this is still an open question. Nothing of that nature has ever been revealed. But in 2016, investigators did reveal that they had some surveillance footage. They released videos showing someone they call a potential person of interest near Irma Kaler's home the day before and the morning after her murder. The footage is a little fuzzy, but there are captions in the video that point out details that may help someone to identify that person. The captions say things like they're wearing a sports jersey and that it looks like the letters and numbers on the jersey are a light color. So really nothing super specific there, but you never know what might jog a neighbor's memory or or maybe somebody who knows this person might recognize something unique about the sports jersey or some of the other clothes that person was wearing. Now, again, police didn't say that they believe this person is the killer. They just referred to him as a potential person of interest. Some guy uh, walking around her house, you know, night before morning of her murder is about the only thing police uh, have shown to the public to try to uh, find a uh, suspect. Reed, presumably police released this footage because they needed help from the public. Do we know if the release of the footage turned up any new leads. Captain Michael Winters with the Lancaster Police Department told Matt Kleindienst that there was a lot of progress early on in this case, that they were getting a lot of information from other residents in the building, things like that. But over time, leads began to run dry. Knowing how we had made good progress, but then again, in some cases, it slows down very quickly. And and then that turns to a little bit of frustration. He said releasing this video footage did lead to some new tips but that so far those tips haven't really led anywhere. But he also said maybe there's some information in one of those tips that doesn't seem relevant now, but might make a lot more sense down the road and something that could be crucial to potentially solving the case. Often with cases like this, you don't know what's important until maybe at some point it becomes important. So you might get a tip or some piece of information right now. You're not sure how it fits into the case or if it even fits into the case And then later on, something develops and you learn that maybe that information was very useful. And so that's where the investigation stands today. Investigators are hoping for more information from the public and they wanted to use the 10-year anniversary of this case to bring some attention to it, to get residents of Lancaster talking again and hopefully turn up some valuable information that could help them identify the person in that video footage. The hope would be that somebody maybe in the area or somebody that is familiar with this case would know someone that that may fit the description or may be the person that we're trying to identify. Will, the second story we're looking at today takes us to northwest Tennessee, to the city of Dyersburg. Tell us about the disappearance of Karen Swift back in the fall of 2011. 44-year-old Karen Swift, a mother with four children, was reported missing on October 30th of 2011, As it turns out, this was three weeks after she'd actually filed for divorce from her husband. And that night, she went to a Halloween party at the Dyersburg Country Club. Her husband, David Swift, was allegedly the last person to see her alive when she returned home that night. 
but she wasn't seen after that night. He, in fact, reported her missing. In early December, six weeks later, her body was found by hunters under some kudzu vines near a cemetery. It was about three miles away from her home, and her car was found nearby. She was partially clothed and beaten to death. The cause of death was blunt force trauma to the head. There have been a lot of rumors and theories over the years about what might have happened to Karen Swift, but no evidence that ever led investigators to an arrest. And David Swift eventually remarried and moved out of the state. As we mentioned, Karen Swift disappeared in 2011. In 2019, this case started to get some renewed attention. What exactly spurred that renewed attention? Well, the Dyer County Sheriff's Office concluded its investigation. So they had actually, you know, behind the scenes, been working on this case for quite a long time. They turned the evidence over to the Dyer County District Attorney General Danny Goodman's office in October of 2019. Here's reporter Jenny DiPrizio with Local 24 News WATN in Memphis. Well, they're hoping for a break in the case because about two months ago, the full Karen Swift file was finally turned over to the district attorney to review. It was the first time the entire file was handed over. And those following the case hope that that means sometime, some soon, someone will be arrested. Bert Staggs is a reporter. He's with the Tennessee River Valley News, and he has covered this case for years as well. It just seems to be a typical cold case. They they go on, they go on, they go on, and then you're just looking for that one piece of evidence that ties the whole thing together. After eight years, will you ever find it? Along the way, a private investigator by the name of Heather Cohen got involved. She wanted justice for Swift and started looking into the case, and she did so voluntarily. Cohen won't say publicly who she thinks is the killer. After doing her own investigation, she says an arrest in this case is long overdue. The plot has thickened and there's a lot more players involved than you know what we thought. I believe that her husband is innocent. And if that is so, if I'm correct about that, then what he's been through is you know far worse than anybody could imagine because on top of losing his wife, he's been the prime suspect. Cohen says she's interviewed several people with good information. She questions why the case went cold. There was a lot of evidence that was lost, a lot of leads that weren't followed up on, a lot of things that were just kind of thrown under the rug. I think that if those leads had been followed, if people had been taken seriously, that the case would be solved by now. It's also in 2019 that two attorneys were charged in connection to this case. What can you tell us about those charges? Yeah, this is uh, sort of a strange detour in this case. Around the eight-year anniversary of when her body was found, two West Tennessee attorneys were charged with extortion. Now, at the time, the Tennessee Bureau of Investigation believed lawyer Charles Sam Kelly Jr. tried to extort money from a Dyersburg, Tennessee businessman. I did nothing wrong. Lawyer Sam Kelly Jr. left court proclaiming his innocence. Prosecutors say Kelly and his co-defendant Mark Morgan tried to extort $25,000 from Daryl Sells and his family. The Sells own several McDonald's franchises in our region. For years, there have been rumors the Sells family was somehow connected to the 2011 murder of Karen Swift. I don't need to extort anybody, particularly Daryl Sells and his crummy family. On tapes that were played in court, co-defendant Mark Morgan claimed to possess information that the Sells family would not want the FBI to have. Prosecutors said it was extortion, pointing out that Kelly referred to the agreement as protection a number of times. But on the tapes, you also hear 
that Kelly drew up a, quote, employment agreement trying to document the transaction between the parties involved. And so he says he was not extorting because of the use of that term employment agreement. However, that's not the only potentially incriminating detail heard on those tapes. On the tapes, Daryl Sell says as part of the deal, he wanted Morgan to get information on private investigator Heather Cohen, who was independently investigating the case. I think they also need to be looking at why he was paying $25,000 for information on me because that feels like a threat to my life. On the stand, Daryl Sells said he and no one from his family had anything to do with the Swift murder. We're very happy. Sells wouldn't say much as they left court, but Kelly's final comment? I don't need their money, don't want their money. And, you know, that's all I got to say about that. Will, this week then, we learned investigators have made an arrest in connection with the death of Karen Swift. Take us through the latest developments here. A grand jury in Dyer County, Tennessee, indicted David Swift, Karen's former husband, on the charge of premeditated first-degree murder. He was arrested Monday of this week in Birmingham, Alabama. Swift, since remarried, living in Alabama, was arrested, and he's been extradited back to Tennessee. Local 24 News reporter Brad Broder spoke to Karen Swift's longtime friend, Janet Ross, about the arrest. Still a little in shock. I I had kind of given up. Even though Karen Swift died in 2011, Janet Ross still remembers her friend's personality vividly and fondly. She was just the kind of friend you want to have. She was a lot of fun. She was witty. She was kind. That's why Swift's unsolved murder affected Ross so greatly for so long. For the first few years, it just like, it consumed me every day. That's all I could think about. And I knew that wasn't good for me or my health or my family. We're glad that it looks like maybe justice is being served, but this this is very traumatic for their children. Dyer County Sheriff Jeff Box said the one thing that held true throughout this investigation into her murder was that her husband was always a suspect because all the evidence pointed to him, according to Sheriff Box. Dyer County Sheriff Jeff Box said, we have literally spent thousands of hours on this case, and a lot of that time was spent dispelling false information and rumors. Our investigators never gave up and just kept going through the evidence, and I want to sincerely thank them for their diligence in this case. Throughout the investigation, Sheriff Box has remained in touch with Karen Swift's mother, Carol Johnson, and... Earlier this week, the sheriff made a phone call he's waited for more than a decade to make. The authorities in Dyersburg had all of these years had been telling Karen's mother that this was not a cold case. They were still working on it, um, that there would be justice. If convicted, David Swift faces up to life in prison without the possibility of parole. All right. Thank you, Will. Thanks as well to Matt Kleindienst at Fox 43 in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, as well as the team at WATN Local 24 News in Memphis for bringing us both of these stories. And thanks for listening to The Daily Crime. We are here five days a week, Monday through Friday. And if you haven't already, check out our newest podcast available wherever you listen to podcasts, Intent, the Tex MacGyver case. For The Daily Crime, along with Reed Redman, I'm Will Johnson.